Kicking and Streaming Podcast is brought to you by Cafe 1804. Premium Haitian coffee now available online at cafe1804.com. That's cafe, K-A-F-E, 1804.com. So, a happy long weekend and everything? Yeah, yeah. yeah. A lazy I'm one. I'm tired of the and, rain. Yeah, yeah. Yesterday it was hard, but but it, you know it definitely was too much rain. Yeah. And, <laughs> yeah, yeah. All right, so uh, let's go ahead and get this started. This is Kicking and Streaming Podcast, a binge watcher's guide to streaming movies, TV series, and stuff. Here are your hosts, Graham and Jocelyn. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Kicking and Streaming. With pleasure, we're here today to present to you. <laughs> Definitely going to be controversial and raise some hackles, I think. Oh, yeah. I, I don't think we've done this in a long time, have we? <laughs> <laughs> I don't think we have, no. <laughs> so, and um, of course, uh, with you, Graham here, and on the other side, in, uh, via Skype, I am joined by the fantastic Jojo. My how did you? Yay! How did you? How did you? Um, so let's just go straight into it. Uh, this week we are talking about, even though whenever our uh, the premise of our show is about streaming and the the film that we are talking about today can be streamed, even though it was originally created for a cable channel, FX. If you have uh, FX on Hulu, then yes, you can stream it too. Uh, it's not a religious thing <laughs> that it has to be streamed, except that we prefer streaming as opposed to just uh, regular TV channels. And with this whole um, FX on Hulu the next day thing, that's essentially, you know, same thing, practically. Yeah, yeah there's no, there's not a huge difference there, is there? So <laughs> Um, So what we're talking about today is the documentary film, a.k.a. Jane Roe. And uh, this was, we normally record the show on Saturdays, (laughs) so we had to wait a little bit so we could go ahead and uh, get a grasp of it, watch the entire thing, and then be ready to talk about it. So I would like to start by asking you, George, what do you think? I think it was a great documentary to know about the historic findings of Roe versus Wade. And then I also think it's um, maybe a bit of a bombshell for some folks in what is revealed in this documentary. Yes. And uh, as much as we don't like to uh, spoil it for people, but I, I think if you know what, if you, you know, if you know what, Roe versus Wade signified to women in this country. If you know also how controversial the entire issue surrounding it is, so you probably also know somewhat. I mean, of course, as you say, Jojo, myself, you wouldn't know much about this because even when most of these things were happening throughout the 70s and the 80s and the 90s uh it wasn't anything that 
you know, we would be concerned about, you know, because, you know, in the 70s, of course, we were born. And in the 90s, right. we were teenagers and we were fucking, we couldn't care less about this bullshit. Right. But anyone who's older than us, of course, knows that Roe versus Wade was a case that started in uh, Texas in front of the Supreme in front of the Supreme Court of the state of Texas and went all the way to the United States Supreme Court and the ruling of a 7-2 of the judges uh, legalized abortion. And the plaintiff in this case uh, were was given the moniker of Jane Roe. But later on, we became, we came to know her name. And her name is Norma McCorvey. Hence the title of the, of the uh, documentary film, a.k.a. Jane Roe. But the most interesting part is perhaps the part of the story we didn't know, and which is what these documentary focuses on. Would you care to sort of like dabble around it, Jojo? I'm perfectly fine with jumping in and, and talking right about everything that it has to say. Honestly, if you search this on Google, the very first thing that comes up is is the big bombshell. So I'm I'm perfectly fine with with jumping right in and talking right straight through it. Yeah. And so <laughs> Doma McCovey, after being sort of a crusader for the pro-choice movement, because obviously she she had been was because of her. And I think it's 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 fair to start by saying, although everything was done, the entire case was argued on behalf of Norma McCovey, a.k.a. Jane Roe, Jane Roe never had an abortion. No, she never <laughs> had an abortion, and she... She wasn't an activist or anything like that. Nor- Norma McCorvey was simply a a poor woman who wanted an abortion who couldn't get one. That's basically the what it boiled down to. She was contacted by an attorney's office because she she went to an ad- adoption attorney when she was turned down for an abortion, and he referred her to some more attorneys who were looking for someone to sort of be like a figurehead to, I guess, argue this case to the Texas Supreme Court that women should have access to safe abortions. Right. And, and so, so the entire case was not about making an argument of pro-choice versus, no, versus anti-choice, but rather the choice should be made by the woman. Right, yes. the woman should have the right to make that choice, as opposed to a government telling that woman you cannot do this, <laughs> and you have to carry, you know, your 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 pregnancy to term. And so, as you said, Norma McCovey was the poster child for that because they wanted it to be a poor person who could not have afforded at least to go elsewhere outside of the state of Texas to, mm-hmm. to get to get an abortion. It was mm-hmm. a matter of, I need it, I want it, 
and I can't afford to go anywhere else, so it should be available for me here where I live. Yes. Except that, obviously, they were turned down. And I'm glad that they actually, the, the filmmaker included some of the recordings of the arguments in front of the state of Texas um, Supreme Court because the misogyny (laughs) in there is so latent. It starts with, and and it's amazing to me because I was cringing when I heard the the pleasantries exchanged between the district attorney of the state, arguing for the state of Texas and the judges, I'm like, I'm, I'm cringing. And I'm like, I know it's 1970, but for fuck's sake, they can't really see how yeah. wrong this whole thing is. Yeah. In a court of law, that's what you're going to say. You know, the whole thing about when a, a, a man argues against two pretty women, they're going to have the last say. What the fuck does that have to do with yes. any fucking thing? Yes. <laughs> Yes, it is, it's an old I mean, joke, uh, you owner. It's an old joke, but it goes like it's this. It's an old joke. When yes. you argue against two beautiful women, you're going to have the last word. And I'm like, holy fucking shit. What? It, what? God. I, I, I don't know if I, I like, I'm like, okay, I'm going to, I'm going to continue, but I'm all, I'm already getting pissed off. <laughs> I'm going to watch this. I have to, but I'm already getting pissed off. Yeah. Uh, I, I was shaking my head pretty hard at that point. I, I was, you know, and then the two, you know, guys with the balls, <laughs> you know, like, Oh, this yeah. is funny shit, you know? Right. Exactly. The good old boy club starts, starts laughing. And, and that should have given you an idea that, you know, this case wasn't going anywhere, <laughs> you know. Uh, this dude was basically telling the judges, yeah, we're just going to humor these two females, right? Mm-hmm. But we all know what the decision is going to come down to, you know. And so, long story short, the case comes to the Supreme Court of the United States, and it ended up deciding four Roe versus Wade, and we all know what happens from there. Then movements were created, right? Well, movement was, <laughs> movements were created. No, I mean, there was always the pro-choice movement that was there, but did not have a voice. And there was always the anti-choice movement that was the most, obviously, the most vocal, which is the reason why in, in a lot of states abortion was illegal to begin with, right? Yes, yes. And so now that the pro-choice has a voice, again, Norma McCovey herself says, you guys won, but, you know, I still had a baby and I had to give it up for adoption. (laughs) Yeah, because this case took years, so didn't help me any. Right. So now we, we find ourselves with this huge divide where... There is a group that has money to basically have the biggest megaphone out there and demonizing the choice of a woman. I'm all, I've always been taken aback by 
how impossible it is for these people to just step back for a moment and say, do I really have the right to tell somebody what to do with their body? Do I really? Let, let's forget the fact that it is a woman, <laughs> right? Because, you know, most religions make women out to be like they need somebody's per permission to even fucking fart. So, <laughs> so it, it's, it, it's, it's clear to see why is it that a lot of these assholes think that they have a say in what a woman should do with her body. But if you have any sort of human decency, and we're going to talk about that because I can see a little bit of Rob Shank conversion, basically. If you have any basic human decency, why can't you step back and say, what rights do I have to tell this person? You have to carry this burden. Because... Even if you don't believe, believe it, my Bible, my religious belief says so. Mm -hmm. Like, who does that? What the fuck? Mm -hmm. Right? Mm -hmm. Right. I, and, it, you know, it's okay. If, if you want, um, if you want to believe, believe whatever you want to believe or don't believe whatever you want to believe, but don't impose your views in a legal manner <laughs> on yeah. someone else. Don't attempt to manipulate the laws and the legal system so that it keeps people from doing what you think is wrong. To me, the whole case of, of abortion for women goes much deeper than just the right to choose. For me, it's about freedom in more ways than just a child. You know, if, if the government is allowed to say no abortions, then the government is also allowed to say all abortions. If the government is allowed to say no abortions, then the government is going to be allowed to involve themselves into any sort of medical procedure that you want or don't want. And it becomes into much more than just reproductive rights and fighting for the right to have the ability to choose whether to keep a child, uh, a, a pregnancy, uh, whether to abort or not is, is to me goes beyond just having a child or not having a child. It is a fundamental freedom of a human being. Of course, of course. And the, the crazy thing for me is that the most vocal of the anti-choice movement people Um, most of them, you don't see them, I don't know, donating all of their riches, all of their monies to an orphanage. Right. You don't Or, see them adopting a bunch of babies that they force the women to have. No. <laughs> you know. They're, and, they're, they would, and they will remove money from any sources to help the woman get care while she's pregnant. Yes. Yes. Uh, you know, let's let's say there is a poor woman who makes the decision that I want to keep this child. And but they're the very same people who would call her a child murderer if she had decided to have an abortion are also going to completely turn their back on her if she tries to get prenatal care yes. or if after the child is born she needs some sort of assistance to continue to have any sort of life at all for this child. So the hypocrisy there is staggering 
it's not surprising. I wish it was. But the ability to have the cognizant dissonance to just shut that off and, and, and just believe that it's a child while it's within the womb is, is disgusting. Yeah. And the, the hypocrisy is all over the entire, the, the entire premise. And last week we talked about this a little bit because we were talking about the case of Bibi Chow in Little Fires Everywhere and in yes. how arrogantly people who judged Bibi Chow's decision to give her child away was, well, she should have made better choices. She should have, you know, she shouldn't have a child if she couldn't take care of it. And that's the reasoning of a lot of people who want to argue against choice is that one, you have to have the baby, but then when you don't have any help, any resources to, you know, to, to take care of this baby, then I'm going to judge you and say, well, what the fuck were you doing having a baby to begin with? Yes. <laughs> yes. You know? Yes. And that, that very much comes down to, you know, there was a quote from one of the figureheads of the pro-choice, or I'm sorry, pro-life movement that was saying something along the lines of the decision is made before she becomes pregnant. In other words, the decision is made, well, if you're having sex, then you've right. made the decision to have a child. And which is absolutely fucking bonkers to begin with. <laughs> it is. It is. It's bonkers. And I mean, it takes out it takes out the possibility of rape. It takes out the possibility of there being medical conditions. It's it's just, as you said, it's fucking bonkers. Yeah. Yeah. And so, you know, let's talk about the figureheads, as you, you call them. So you have. The famous Flip Benham, who which my my husband watched this documentary with me, and I don't mean to interrupt you, but I, yeah. I he said he had the most punchable face he's ever seen. <laughs> yeah, yeah, he, yes, he is like the the Ted Cruz of the anti-choice movement. Like he's that. like a used car salesman combined with like I don't know essential oils or something. The fact of the matter is, this guy is fucking heinous. <laughs> yes, he is. He's he's using he's using religion and the name of God in a manner to which it was never supposed to be used. And the people like that are beyond any sort of redemption to me. Anybody who uses anything for their own personal gain, for their own political gain, for their own material gain in the name of any sort of religion or anything like that to me is just scum. Yes. Yes. And he, he is beyond redemption, as you said, because he's incapable of recognizing the damage that he's done to women that he's he done care. to his to to the to to his religion that he's done to he doesn't he he's in uh, in in there is a moment there where you can actually see the stark difference between a person who develops a conscience through the years that has learned their from their mistakes and said shit I was wrong and now I can recognize it and recognizing it is coming out and confessing to it versus somebody who says, 
oh, so I cheated a little bit. Who cares? <laughs> you know, yeah. Yeah. That, and there seem to be more of those. There seem to be more flip venom in 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 the matter of religions than you have Rob Shanks. Rob Shank is very interesting. Yes. And um, I was I was prepared to hate him. Yes. I mean, I, I, I did hate him. Yes. Yes. And when the, the moment happens in the documentary where he views the video of the confession of Norma McCorvey, and you see on his face and you see – you see the humanity that he's actually seems to have built for himself. I sincerely hope that it's not a facade. I sincerely hope that he has developed a conscience and that he has repented for what he's done. I hope it's not just a, a something to, uh, to, to make himself look good in the, in the yeah. Film. Or to make himself feel better. I hope it isn't, but, uh, it, it seemed genuine. So I hope that it is. I do believe that he is trying to reverse some of the the damage that he did. So, I mean, that to me, that says something about contrition. If if yes. you, it, it can be one thing to say I'm sorry, and I was wrong, um, and it, but it's another thing to do nothing about what you did wrong. But if he's actually admitting that he's wrong and trying to change what he did wrong, then I, I think that says something towards his genuine genuineness, I hope. Yes, yes. And and, and so in comparison to Flip Bannon, who's still <laughs> running around Charlotte, North Carolina and yeah. climbing up trees and shit just so he can <laughs> he can shout at women going into into abortion clinics still, still to this day. And when he was asked you don't see anything wrong with what you did. The fact that you threw money at somebody and had them leave a lie. Well, yeah, you're giving him, you've been given money to do what you do. Who is somebody using you? That was his answer. Are you being used? You get paid for what you do, but are, are you being used? Nobody's paying me to lie about my life. Right. Right. You know, you, you, Sham, you created, so let's just get in it uh, a little bit yeah. for, for, for a matter of context. Yeah. Noah McCorvey at some point made the decision, I want to, because this has my name in it, because it has my own case in it, I want to join the, the pro-choice movement. I want to be part of it. I want to let my voice be heard. Except that she made, not the mistake, but rather she told a truth that was inconvenient for the movement. Yes. Is that, is that a good qualification of it? Yes. Yes, I, I would definitely call it that. That uh, she made herself, by telling the truth, by initially lying and then telling the truth to the pro-choice movement that made her an undesirable figurehead. Right. Right. And because, I'm sorry, go ahead. So, and, and it shows you also that no matter how right or wrong, there is a lot of politics and sometimes hypocrisy 
on 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 either side of a cause. Very much. Continue, so. please. Very much so. Very real. So much politics. Yeah. So so Norma McCorvey, when she initially went to try to obtain an abortion, she was told. And again, we're talking about when everything was illegal, that if she said she had been raped, that she would have a better chance of obtaining a legal abortion. She was, in fact, not not raped. According to her story, when she, after the trial was over, she was like, I was doing everything I could to attempt to get an abortion. So yes, I lied about that. The pro-choice movement felt this tainted her in some ways in that if she lied about that, what else would she be lying about? And just, she was never really, I have to say for the pro-choice movement, maybe a, a their ideal and I think we're going to talk about the politics of that a little bit Yes. Um, in the fact that she was poor and uneducated and maybe didn't always say the most appropriate things. And the fact that she she did lie, I think you could see a little bit of of snobbiness perhaps come yes. out of the pro the pro choice movement with yes. that in that. Well, it's we don't want our figurehead to be an uneducated a white woman, <laughs> you know, white, yes. white trash, white yes. trash. Yes. Yes. It should be a blue stocking. It should be someone who is famous. It should be someone who is attractive. Right. It should be someone, you know, who, I, 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 younger. Yes. So I, I think that a lot of the snobbiness showed out, showed with that and, and a poor choice on their part. Yes. Because it made her vulnerable because she wanted attention, she admit that. Yes. She she's essentially essentially spent her whole life trying to get attention and love. Yes. And so when the pro life movement arose, they saw an opportunity in a weak, lonely person who was not being appreciated yeah. in the manner to which she had thought she would be, and were able to get her to come to their side persuasively. And for them, I think what was very much, she was very much a perfect figurehead in that she was uneducated and white and perhaps didn't always speak clearly. And by the way, that's the only use the right has ever had to, uh, for poor people is (laughs) is as figureheads. Is is that? As figureheads. Yes, Yes. exactly. Exactly. Is this is the, this is our our common American, ladies and gentlemen. Right. This is, this is, you know, this is Jane American. Mm -hmm. She stands for the rest of us. So, you know, she's, she's not some snob out in California. Yeah. She's not some New York, you know, whore or whatever. She, Right. She is a she is a middle tri- America middle blah, America blah, blah. yes yeah. exactly so for them I think she was very much a perfect figurehead and they recognized that and were perhaps a little wiser in the ways of politics than and a little less naive maybe than the 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 pro choice movement was and uh, swept in and. Gave her essentially what she needed to change her story, to change her decision, and decide she was going to become pro-life. Yeah, yeah. And there's there's a great quote from her that she said, "It's I can't." It was towards the end of the documentary, but she said that 
All I'm simply doing is watching out for Norma's salvation and Norma's ass. And it's just that simple. Yeah. And they recognized that in her and paid her. Right. They paid her. Right. And, and, they, and they were constantly in fear that she was going to say the wrong thing, which is, she was coached. She was yes. coached. She was coached. Rob, Rob Schink just came out and, and when, when he saw the video was just like, yes, we paid her. Yeah. Yes, she was coached. Yes, we paid her more money when we were afraid that she would, would speak uh, out of turn. Yeah. Um, essentially, she would say, I need money, and we would, we would send her money. And uh, I found that when he said that, my, my mouth dropped open because I was expecting what Flip Benham did, which yeah. was yeah. to, well, we never paid her, and we never did, blah, blah, blah. And he was just like, yep, yeah, nope. You, yeah. you you caught us. Yeah, you, you, caught, you got us. You yes. caught me with the hand in the cookie jar. So here here we go. Here's here's the whole thing. Yeah. And um, I gained respect for him for that. And um, and like I said, I, I hope it's not just for his own personal salvation in in the, that sense. But I, I I hope that he's genuinely trying to change. Yeah, and you know, anecdotally, uh, talking about how movements tend to, uh, you know, present a picture perfect figurehead. There's this thing where the back of the bus movement that started with Rosa Parks, right? Rosa Parks became the figurehead for that movement, that female, strong female saying, "Yeah, I'm tired. I'm sitting here. You're not making me go back, go to the back of the bus." But here's the crazy thing is that the Rosa Parks was not the first black woman <laughs> to do that. And Correct. another woman had been arrested weeks earlier for that same offense. But the civil rights movement decided that she wasn't good enough for to, to be the figurehead of that movement because she was a pregnant, out of wedlock pregnant dark-skinned black woman, whereas yes. Rosa Parks was perfectly married and good-looking, <laughs> you know. So, so you have colorism, you have sexism, you have classism, you have all this shit that take place even in the moment where a legitimate movement is looking for a figurehead. And that was exactly what happened here with Norma McCovey. Norma McCovey could have been a powerful representation of the pro-choice movement. But they decided to take the to take it to Hollywood. <laughs> you know, meanwhile the Norma McCovey for whom the case was decided even though she in the end ended up never having an abortion, they rejected her. And you are right. Norma McCovey did want the attention. But at the end of the day, if you understand the life story of Norma McCovey, if you go, if you watch the documentary and you see the things that she's been through, how she's been made felt her entire life, that being told her entire life to a certain extent, you are worth nothing. And when some asshole came along and said, no, not only we are going to give you the value that you are searching for, we're going to pay you for it. Yes. Yes. So, so that, that, that was a no-brainer. 
Yes. That was a yes. no-brainer. Very much so. Because and she was never an activist. She really never had a strong view, I don't think, one way or the other. The only thing I think she ever truly cared about was Norma McCorvey. Yes. And that's perfectly fine. Yes. <laughs> in the in the grand scheme of things, that's perfectly fine. If she only cared about Norma McCorvey, that's fine. But she was used as a pawn by both sides. And I do love the irony, however, that as a pawn, she decided to change the game. Yeah. She had the last word and she had it perfectly. She had it beautifully and she had the evidence to back it up. Yes. And, and, and it made me very happy. Yes. I I was, I was like, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) It was a moment of ecstasy. There is there is some a, a very sad part of the story for me, and I felt I felt so bad for Connie, Connie Gonzalez. Connie Gonzalez broke my heart. It was the most heartbreaking thing I've ever seen. There was a moment, and I don't know who did that, and I don't know how that happened, but when she Norma decided to get baptized. Yes. And emerged from the water and basically was like being given the choices of you accept Jesus and blah, 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 born again and thing. And renouncing her life. And she's saying yes and affirming and confirming all of that. Somebody somehow decided to pan the camera onto the face of Connie. Yes. And I've never seen a heartbreak happened so dramatically. I mean, I've seen it done in movie, but in real life, a real life heartbreak taking place. You can witness it in the face of the person. was like, oh my God, look at this moment. How painful. Wow. Yeah. It was... It was so much heartbreak, and at the same time, you could see so much love there for Norma, and you could just feel the fact that you've essentially killed me, but if you're happy, that's okay. Yeah. And that perfectly selfless and unconditional in that moment, and a beautiful, heartbreaking thing and I Connie broke my heart. Connie was lovely and Connie broke my heart. And Mm. I am ashamed of what happened to Connie. Yes. Yes. There was a moment where she was saying, nothing has changed for me. Uh, you know, I I love her and I want to be with her. But she has made this choice and I'm okay with that. And then she broke down crying. And I was like, oh, my God. And I know that it's it's very, it's an easy target to go out and say, fucking Norma McCovey was so selfish and blah, 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 blah. But if you understand human behavior, you will know why Norma, you will understand why Norma chose all of that and not Connie. Yes. And, yes, yes. And, and this was a perfect act of sabotage. Norma did not think of herself worthy of anybody's love because no one ever made her feel that way. 
And to have somebody in the person of Connie loving her so unconditionally was for her an, a, a thing of panic. It was scary. And she had, she had to sabotage it. Yes. Because and, and I, I, I would think almost too that an impossibility for her brain to comprehend. Yes, yes. That there, this is impossible. I am unlovable. I have been told that I am unlovable. Right. I believe that I am unlovable. Therefore, this is impossible. There is no way for you to love me unconditionally. Right. That doesn't exist. Right. And just so you see that there's nothing about me you should love, I am going to let you down in the worst way possible. Yes. <laughs> yes. You know, so so I, I don't have anything bad to say about Norma McCovey, although, as you said, I, I, I suffered the heartbreak of, of, of Connie in every moment that I saw her on screen and how badly she was hurt. You know, if anybody who saw or who's seen this documentary is going on a tangent about Norma McCovey wasn't a good person either because she did this, she did this, she did that. You are not seeing everything from the big picture. No. So you need Nor to take Norma a step McCorvey, back. Norma McCorvey was never meant to be a figurehead. Human beings aren't meant to be figureheads. Norma McCorvey was a human. Yes. A human with a really shitty upbringing and a really shitty life. Yes. And Connie loved her for all of her flaws. And I think that Connie knew she had those flaws. Yes. And seeing Connie's face at the moment of the renouncement made me think that, that Connie felt that this was inevitable, that it was going to happen one way or another, but that she didn't care, that she loved Norma and she was going to be there for as long as she possibly could and be with her for as long as she possibly could. So yes, Norma did some very bad things, but Norma wasn't anything, anything other than a human being with a really fucked up life. Exactly. Exactly. That is, you know, I think there's a lesson here for, for all of us to learn that sometimes it is perfectly fine to just allow ourselves to love the people that more often than not hurt us because they don't know any better, because they are hurting on their, on the other hand, and they, uh, the love that we feel for them, the love that we're capable of demonstrate to them is, is, is scary for them. And that's the only way they know how to react is to come back and try and break your heart. I don't know. <laughs> it's, it's just, it's just, I, I, that's, that's what I could come up with after, after seeing all of this. And uh, it, it made me think because it's so easy to say, I'm done. I'm done with you. I'm done with you. you know? Yeah. Yeah. But now, Con Connie was, I think, the very definition of a, of a rock. And uh, it's unfortunate that Norma couldn't, I don't think, ever come to that realization of how important that was. But that is... That is on Norma. Connie 
can have a clear conscience in the sense of knowing that that she loved as purely as she knew how yes. and yes. was there for as long as she could be. Yes. And you always end up saying it as better as, <laughs> as anybody else, Jojo. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, oh man. Gosh. So uh, this documentary film is called AKA Jane Rowe. Definitely some of the best things we've seen in documentary films sometimes are a bit hard to talk about because as you and I have always talked we've always said sometimes you can see the agenda from the very beginning. And yeah. this definitely was an agenda that we we could see coming but it was a part of the story that we needed to know about yes yes and i should say that i don't think anybody before this documentary and i'm talking about the american media did a great job at presenting the human face of norma mccovey always she was referred to as a figurehead and nobody really tried to understand the human being behind her until this moment i agree and so whatever side of the equation you are if you can go ahead and watch this it is on fx and um, you can come back and tell us what you think <laughs> yes. Yes, and it's uh it's on Hulu if you have if you have Hulu, you can stream it on Hulu. It does have ads, which is a little jarring cuz yeah. they, they they don't have the the best <laughs> they don't have the best system worked out for throwing ads into things. They 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 just seem to have a time stamp that they throw an ad in, so you know you'll, it'll be somebody mid conversation, and suddenly yeah. an ad starts. <laughs> <laughs> That's cool for you, right there. <laughs> yeah, but uh, but yeah, it's it's available, and uh, I highly recommend watching it. Um, no matter what your views are on abortion, your personal views, and uh, I think it'll be definitely an educational watch. Yes, that definitely is going to be. So we would like to, at the same time, invite you to follow us on social media. We are on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, Pinterest, and um, everywhere else. You can get our podcast directly on our website, uh, com. But also, you can find us on all major and even minor podcast apps. So as long as you look for Kicking Instrument Podcast, you will find us. If you listen to us on Spotify or on Apple Podcasts or on Google Podcasts, don't forget to give us a rate. Let people know what you think. Give us a couple of stars and then uh, that will make our podcast more searchable and also more findable. Are these actual words? <laughs> if, if they aren't, they are now. We've just made something We've yes, we've made words. <laughs> I mean, fucking Shakespeare did it all the time. So, <laughs> <laughs> so here we go. And uh, of course, it was a we, we've had a great time, and we're happy that we had this talk. And what else, Jojo? 
<laughs> I think that's it. See, We'll see everybody next week with something exciting. Yeah, we'll see you next week. So there you go, ladies and gentlemen, for me and for Jojo. We will be with you next week. Thank you very much for tuning in to this. Thank you, everybody. Bye. Bye.